everybody. Welcome back to the Light and Life podcast, conversations on faith and life from downtown Colorado Springs. I'm your host, Liza Cunningham, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Tim McConnell. Hey, Liza. <laughs> How's it going? Good, 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 good. <laughs> good, I'm glad. And I hear today we're talking about reverent prayer. Reverent prayers. Whoop, yeah, whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that sounds exciting, right? Totally. I'm very excited about this topic, actually, because okay. I feel... Um, like the idea of reverent prayer is near and dear to my heart mm. because a lot of times, you know, we're encouraged to pray with God as though God's our friend, but we also feel like something's missing and it almost feels taboo to tell him how we're really feeling if we're mad or upset at him or, um, okay. you know, we're placing blame for some things that happen on him, if that makes sense. So I guess my question is, doesn't God deserve to be addressed in a special way? Um, doesn't he deserve to be spoken to differently? What, what's the role of reverent prayers or liturgy or ancient prayers? How can we, you know, really lean into that? Okay. Yeah, so I'm excited about this too. I'm excited about this topic um, because a few episodes back we did, um, we did a podcast about prayer. We talked about prayer a little bit and I tried to give a number of ideas. Prayer is hard to describe. It's hard to uh, sort of calculate. It's like because it's a relationship. It's a relationship with God, and so you don't really put a relationship into these neat categories, um, but you have a lot of things to talk about in a relationship. And and I, I was reflecting on that episode that we did together. I forget which one it was, maybe two or three, episode two or three, but um, – <clears throat> But I thought maybe I missed what you were asking about, really, about prayer. Because mm. um, I think there's this uh, – so tell me if this is what you're, what you're asking about. Um, I think that we've come to a place in our Christianity where we want to be super informal with God uh, because of maybe generations that made God out to be – very far from us and very um, holy and in a way frightening and distant from us, that you only approach God in very careful ways that are curated by the professionals, like the professional clergy are going to usher you into the presence of God, and, and you need to be super obedient and super careful and super cautious about even addressing God. Um we reacted against that for good reasons that that Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? He said, I want you to pray to God using the word our father, Abba, mm-hmm. um, as someone that you're very familiar with. And Jesus was very familiar with his disciples and he was God in the flesh. And so we don't want, we don't want God to be so distant, but it seems like we've almost swung the pendulum to the place where um, Jesus it's is too casual. It's too yeah, like Jesus is my buddy, you know. Right. Um, that kind of Jesus is my homeboy attitude. <laughs> my homeboy. <laughs> and and there's something in us that says, wait a minute. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want also to revere God in my prayers. Is that right? That hits home. I think a lot of times. I, I think the way that I grew up and the way that I entered into my faith. I felt like a lot of what Christianity in general was, was all of these broken people 
putting on a mask mm. um, and and saying these, you know, super wordy, um, theological, profound words in prayer that it's like, when you break it down, does anyone around me really know what that's saying? And so the other side of that is it's so casual that it feels uncomfortable because you're trying to not have this mask on. You're trying to be so authentic yeah. and so real, yeah. but it also doesn't feel reverent and reverence is important. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess my question around that is what's the role? Where? Do, how do we find a balance between the two? That's That's so good. You know, like I, one thing I, despise that's a that's a strong word okay but i think it's fitting here okay <laughs> is fake mm-hmm. you know fake prayer fake worship fake liturgy and i i use the word despise because i read god saying i despise your fake prayers like I, there's definitely in isaiah a passage where god is just saying i I don't like your festivals. I don't like your worship. I don't like your gatherings. And you think, why? And it's it's because it's fake. It's false. It's a show. Right. And God would rather have you be real and messy than sort of clean and fake. Mm-hmm. And so how do you find that balance, right? Because we also don't want to live our whole lives with this whole idea of um, – that Jesus is just my buddy and I don't have to worry about being reverent or lifting God up. So exactly. How do we find that, mm-hmm. that balance? So, so let me ask you, like you grew up Catholic. Right. Um, now you go to uh, our church, mm-hmm. uh, Presbyterian church, and um, you've been in non-denominational churches. You've been, you know, you've seen, I think probably a lot of different expressions of Christian worship. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, do you? What do you like? Do you like it when? Um, I remember leading a service. It was a, a service. I think it was a baccalaureate. They called it a baccalaureate. baccalaureate mass. Yeah. A baccalaureate mass. No, Protestant. Okay. Protestant over here. Okay, my never bad. Been, my never bad. been Catholic. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Reformation happened. I'm sorry. I forget about it. It's, it happened, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I've I've been to mass, but no. Um, but um, yeah, and the the Baptist. Uh, guy, a friend of mine, we were leading together. Like he saw that I took out a prayer that I had written some notes, like what I was going to pray, and I pulled out this printed sheet that had my prayer on it. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like, "No, no, no! Like you, that is not what we do. You, you pray uh, spontaneously according to the Spirit, or mm-hmm. it's not real." And I was like, "Well, I don't know, man. I think I can." Write- I don't know, man. <laughs> I think. I think Jesus can help me prepare a prayer, mm-hmm. and it can still be real. But yeah. how do you how do you have a a written prayer that's still real, that's still valid? So I just, what do you like? Like when you're going to worship, which do you prefer? Do you prefer that someone is praying spontaneously, or do you, do you prefer that there are some written prayers? What have you experienced? Um, you know, the mass, the Catholic mass, uh, really honors sacred tradition. Mm -hmm. So they value two things, sacred tradition and sacred scripture. Mm -hmm. And I always found so much beauty and truth in that. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to knowing versus feeling, right? Like I knew that this is how it was done, has been done for years. And if I travel to different countries, um, 
you know, the word Catholic means universal, right. and, and the Mass is done, and I know what's going on, and I feel right. like I'm entering into this universal prayer. Yep. Um, and it really is beautiful. But on a personal level, I don't think I've ever, I ever actually felt it. I knew I was praying it with a body, so I was like, this is powerful. You know, our prayers have so much more oomph to it because we're all saying the same thing, okay. you know. Yeah, so um, because everybody's reciting a prayer right. that feels like there's more, there's there's a power in that right. of being one body saying one thing and one voice. Right, and I, I still, in a sense, find a lot of beauty and truth in that, in this unifying um, prayer, but I didn't have the, per- I was missing yeah. The personal relationship aspect. Yeah. Um, and because my prayers didn't necessarily align with, you know, the recited prayers that I had. Yeah. Um, or I had learned growing up and I was tested on them, you know, Catholic school, right? Like yeah. you get a cool cross necklace if you learn how to do the sign of the cross, you okay. know, in kindergarten type thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was just missing. I can pray and I can talk to God about who he is and what he means to me and ask him for my own personal needs and really have my own personal relationship rather than this, you know, neatly wrapped up, um, well-worded script that right. I'm going off right. of. Right. And I just memorized it. So a lot of times I completely dissociate when I pray because it's like, I'm just going through the motions and yeah. saying. You're thinking about something right. else. Right. And But so, when you say, yeah. you know, what, what do I prefer? I think... Um, coming to First Press has been kind of an eye-opener for me because I did at first go to a completely different church setting, which is non-denominational, uh-huh. um, where anything recited is completely out of the picture. And I found that First Press is kind of a middle ground for me. Mm. Um, and not saying that that's what I'm judging like a church by, but right. I do feel a sense of familiarity from growing up childhood and associating it with my newfound um, love for for Christ in the way that we do communion, in the way mm-hmm. that we um, do say the Lord's Prayer, and the right. way that we um, have both organic prayer and, um, you Unison know. or or, yeah. Right, right. Yep. You know, like Liturgical. the Apostle, Apostles' Creed, like yeah. that has so much weight and meaning, and it's so cool to see um, you know, that we're praying the same prayers of saints and historical figures the from the very first Christians. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I actually had some similar experiences because a lot of my family was Episcopalian, though. So not Catholic, but my family uh been in a lot of Episcopalian services where they would just say, open the Book of Common Prayer to page, and then, like, the whole service was just all of us reading this book together. And mm-hmm. I And I got the sense, like, this doesn't feel genuine sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I love what you said about um, I can go anywhere and I'm in the same body of Christ, worshiping in the same way. Because that not only does that happen for us across na- na- nations and spaces and uh, cultures, but what I love and why I'm I'm part of a denomination that values tradition is that that also happens over time. So you allow prayers to come into your life that were written a long time ago, and Mm -hmm. they come into your life in a powerful way, and you see that you're part of a larger um, body, a larger body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So, Pastor Tim, when do you feel 
reverence and wonder. Uh, that's good. I was going to ask you that question. Aha, I beat you to the And, um, um, yeah, I actually, um, like when I'm in a, a worship setting that's that's praise band driven, that's, um, <laughs> I'll be honest, like if it's like a big venue, um, you probably don't remember when there was Promise Keeper events. Oh, dang. No. And <laughs> No, yeah. But like um, big worship conferences or, um, I love that. Like I, I, I just hear everybody singing. Mm-hmm. And everybody is just sold out to the Lord, and I feel the presence of the Lord. And um, for me, that is there is a reverence in that. But I also feel that if that was the only part of my worshiping life, that there'd be too much familiarity, not enough wonder, not enough reverence, not enough sort of recognizing that I actually need to be, in a way, patterned in my prayers to to see that God is God is more than I'm familiar with. God is coming at me in a way that um, I need to recognize the presence of awe and wonder at a mighty God, and not just think, okay, because Jesus won my place in the throne room of grace, which He did, and because He's won my uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit within me, which He has, that I'm totally familiar with God as a buddy-buddy relationship, like I, I need and I recognize the, that sometimes going into a more liturgical service, I feel more reverence, I feel a little bit more wonder. Mm-hmm. But how about you? Um, I, think, I think I really do feel a sense of reverence in worship more so than in, in prayer, in the church setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Personally, I feel reverence and wonder um, when I'm alone in a quiet space. Okay. And I I try to start with, you know, praising God for who he is and then mm. reflecting on it, doing some sort of reading, and then just talking to him about what I'm going through and yeah. how I need him and how I want him to make himself known to me. To me, that feels both reverent and personable. Mm. Um, and it makes me want to lean in deeper. So you bring up the word wonder. Mm. Um, because I think, you know, recited prayers are beautiful and makes me feel connected in community. Um, but the other side of that is if I continue to do the same recited prayers, and that's, again, kind of like what you said, the only thing that I'm sticking to Um where's where's the growth where's the lean in yeah because it's the same same thing i mean people could combat that with you know scripture and reading the same scripture over and over and over again but right and it'll never go old but that's the living word of god and, right and so yeah anything that we get into a habit of doing we're kind of wired up that's why we have habits is that um literally biologically our brain is trying to save energy mm-hmm. and so anything it can put on a habit loop and do without thinking it wants to do and god made us that way so there's there's habits that we set that something can just happen without me even thinking about it because my brain has recognized a habit loop mm-hmm. and um and there's a whole you know different track to go down on that but 
But I think so anything with prayers, you can just sort of say, oh, I'm saying the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And then you you like totally blank out until mm-hmm. someone says amen. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's not good, right? But at the same time, on the other side, um, I do like um, what we do here at First Pres. We've got a traditional side and a contemporary praise-oriented side. And in the in the traditional side, in the sanctuary side, we often say liturgical prayers written by others. And in the worship center side, we sometimes say written prayers um, written by others. Um, but I like having both of those because, mm-hmm. because I think there's a gift to having prayers come into our worship that are bigger than just our contemporary moment, like something that I might have gotten up and put together that morning. Right. You know, this is something that, was written centuries ago. So it's funny you saying that when you say sometimes if you're reciting a prayer that was written by someone else, you can kind of check out until someone says amen. I remember feeling so guilty about that. I want to say it was in like middle school. Mm. And I asked one of the sweet nuns at my <laughs> at mm-hmm. my little Catholic mm-hmm. school. I said, you know, is that a sin? Mm. If I'm checking out during prayer, because I was, again, I mean, if you go back, few episodes you'll realize you know shame and guilt yeah um, plays yeah. a big part in my story but um she said watching because sometimes i would like fall asleep in the middle of prayer okay yeah yep she said one of a parent's biggest gifts is getting to watch their child fall asleep mm. and so i started to think about that in in prayer and when i dissociate it's like well she's she's peaceful and she's trying like I'll look at her you know Um, and so it's been kind of a sweet way to reframe well that's a great I I like that I mean that's a lot of grace and and that's what I really want to talk about actually um, is that just like you can have someone pray for you some of these prayers that come down from history they're a way of past believers praying for you today Mm -hmm. and um, that's beautiful and I and I you don't want to be um bound like there's a difference between traditionalism Mm -hmm. and tradition Mm -hmm. Uh, traditionalism is you have to do it the way it was done always it's never going to be right if you do anything different Um, that's traditionalism and it actually makes an idol out of what what is what was done before Mm -hmm. but tradition literally means handing down that's what it comes from in the latin and so to be handed down something to receive it as a gift um, there's nothing wrong with that in fact it's beautiful and there's a way that someone can pray for you today a prayer that came out of the 4th century because you're part of the same church. You're, you're children of God together. And just in the way that a friend can pray for you, they can pray for you. And sometimes we need that. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I can't. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I want to honor God. I'm present in worship. I want, I want to lean on the prayers of others and and that's okay. That's what, right. that's part of the body of Christ. So, I want to name a few things that we do. Um, you know, in our church, uh, that's why we do the Lord's Prayer, um, and we hope that people are not falling totally asleep. Uh, <laughs> but but we we want to say that prayer because Jesus taught us to pray that way. There's another part. There's another little prayer that I've entered into our life here at First Pres. It's called the Sursum Corda which is Latin for lift up your heart. And um, and it's that part at the beginning when we come to the table, we always say, lift up your heart, 
I lift them up to the Lord. We say, the Lord be with you and also with you. I lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Uh, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. That little back and forth mm-hmm. actually goes back so deep in history that nobody knows who wrote it. Wow. And it emerges in the third century, and the church said that, coming to the communion table. And so I've trained our church just to get used to watching for that. And and there's a way that when we come to the table, we're coming to the table with people from centuries ago mm-hmm. uh, saying those same prayers. And like you say, the Apostles' Creed, there's there's other ways like that. And and I think it's um it's good to have that balance, like you were saying before. Yeah, that I mean that's really cool and a, a good way to frame my mindset, I think, mm. uh, that I had never thought about. It's okay to lean on mm. to the prayers of other people. Because um, instead, I've been using it as like, oh, it, it's a guide for how we should pray. Like, these prayers were set in a certain context, in a in a certain time frame, um, and th- they're beautiful, and people have prayed them for generations. Mm. Um, but they might not necessarily—sometimes I get into this thought process. Mm-hmm. Like, they might not sometimes apply to me. Right. You know? And And so when you say, if I don't have the words to pray— okay to lean into their prayers and it's actually a beautiful thing because your heart's there and it makes your faith seem that much more precious yeah right like even even in the same way that your unbelief might deem your faith more powerful i think Mm. um you know Mm. because what's like when you go what's faith without doubt Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you know and so faith in and believing is so powerful, right? Yeah. And am I being heretical? Someone, no. someone, blow a horn at me if no, I'm being no. heretical. I, I totally get what you're saying. Like you don't, like you actually know a rope is strong when you're leaning on it, mm-hmm. and you know your faith is strong when you're kind of doubting and you're leaning on it and you're pulling on it, and there it is, and it holds you up, right? And um, and when you come to church and you think, um, you know, one of the gifts of church that God gives us through the community of the church is that we get to lean on the body of Christ as a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so you come into church, you might not feel like singing that song, but you're not feeling like singing it. You still get to participate in glorifying God just by leaning on the song being sung in the community of faith. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? In the same way with prayers, like it's not just me praying, it's us praying and uh, I can lean on the prayers that are being lifted up, even if they don't perfectly apply to me in this moment, even if they don't, um, if I don't feel them fully in myself, mm-hmm. I can lean on the fact that prayer is happening, and I know that that I'm being pulled into the presence of God by those prayers. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, to wrap it up, um, <laughs> I've had seasons in my life, Liza, where I thought it's like, like my friend, like that's like a crime to pray somebody else's prayer. Get out, get out of here. You need to um, talk to Jesus. Like you really need to learn to talk to Jesus. And mm-hmm. and I do. I think that's true. I think that's important. But then I've had other seasons in my life and times, um, maybe times like we were talking about uh, in a previous episode, where you feel like you're in a dark night of the soul, where it was much better for me to open up somebody else's prayers, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so I've, I want to just name some resources. We might be able to put these in the show notes. Um, if people are interested in books of prayer that I would recommend. Um, but I mean, honestly, the first one is the Psalms. 
Yeah. I mean, the Psalms is a book of prayer in the middle of the Bible. Right. And so to open up and pray the Psalms, you're leaning on somebody else's prayers. and um, Someone else's joy, someone else's heartache, someone else's anger. Yeah. Right? And you might think not all this applies to me, but then you have these moments of like, wow, that applies to me deeper Mm-hmm. than I would have come up with myself. For sure. Yeah. So the Psalms. I mean, pray the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a book, there's a set of three books uh, that were put together by um, a scholar named Thomas Oden, and they're called the Ancient Christian Devotionals. And again, I can we can put these maybe in the show notes, um, but um, they take prayers... Uh, weekly from church fathers and from early Christian history. And they've got the scriptural readings and prayers to go along with them. And I found that at Seasons to be like, you know, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm feeling, I just kind of, I still want to pray, but I feel really dried out in my faith. I feel really like without energy. I just want to lean into these other prayers. Mm -hmm. And that's been a gift. Uh, there's another one called the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers um, from early American uh, Puritan history. And then um, there's a set of books that that uh, were written around Advent for for preparing for Christmas and Lent in preparation for Easter. And they were put together by a woman named Phyllis Tickle, uh, which is really a very funny name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Phyllis Tickle. She must have had a hard time in middle school. I know. That's I, sad. I think because her parents were so cruel, maybe that's what <laughs> drove her to the Lord. Yeah, you're right. But um, anyway, she put together these two books. <laughs> uh, one is called Easter Tide, Easter Tide, and it's uh, daily prayers through the season of Lent. And another one is called Christmas Tide, and it's mm-hmm. daily prayers through Advent, getting ready for Christmas. And there have been seasons in my life where each one of these books, it's like, I don't know what to pray, but Lord, I love you. I want to be, I want to practice being present with you. And so I'm going to lean on these other prayers. And um, and sometimes there is a greater reverence in using those prayers. Yeah, and sometimes mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say I mix personal with <laughs> um, written prayer. And I... This just came to me, and I promise I haven't been thinking um, about this until now, but I remember one written prayer that really stood out to me and I feel like applies to me every day still, and it's the serenity prayer. Uh I don't know who prayed it or who wrote it, but it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I find myself praying that a lot um, in the middle of a personal prayer too. So it's really cool that we get to lean on, you know, both personal experiences and the experiences of the people before us. So um, thank you everyone for listening. That about wraps up our time. Um, We'll see you next time on the Light and Life podcast.